0: per me what's going on buddy hey 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 <laughs> <laughs> how you been i'm doing okay made yeah. it through yet another week i yep. can't complain yeah
1: yeah COVID, day number forty seven we've been in
0: here for Saturday. a long Man. time okay a long time it's been two months now almost that i've been just locked away in this house so no
1: end in sight that's mm. crazy out here I, um, I had a conversation with a friend like five minutes ago, actually. She was, uh, she's asking me about like school and where I went to. I told her I got my bachelor's and my master's in, in electrical engineering. And then she's like, Oh, well, do you think you'll go get your PhD? I was like, Fuck no, I ain't doing that. Like I I felt that deep in my soul. Like it wasn't even something I had to think about. Like it's, it's just like, that's just not what I'm about. So. Mm. And it's too crazy. much. Yeah.
0: There, it gets to a point where it's like, it's difficult this you know is where
1: i get off that that's how it felt just if i could put it into a word, but it's funny because <laughs> we have a guest on the show and he didn't get off you know so i want to know what's wrong with this
0: guy he rode the ride till the end inside his brain
1: <laughs> to see like what is going on in there i'm with it to like be delayed with that all right so we're gonna talk to him a little bit and let's start the show black hypothesis all right coming live over our video conferencing software we got dr j what's going on man what up
2: with it i'm
0: not idiot
1: but uh decided to finish the phd oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when he puts himself on mute that don't mean that he, can,
0: he can't hear me <laughs> no he heard every word uh, i guess shoot All maybe right. you just know something we don't that's you know that's why we asked. i just learned, you learned you know? how to mute but it
1: works <laughs> Listen, I, know, I know
2: a lot but it doesn't
1: mean that it's worth it <laughs> dr j so we just want to know like how did you get into like this field that you're in, like your background, like walk us through that process and that journey.
2: Yeah, so I was, I was a first-generation um, college student. I went into Brooklyn College. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I just knew I wanted to major in science. So okay. I filled in a little bit of physics, a little bit of chemistry, biology. And biology stood out to me, one, because it was a scholarship. At that point, I would have sung an ant if I, if I needed to get paid. <laughs> yeah, I would start. Um, so I took a course... <laughs> And I fell in love with it, man. The main reason was the professors knew the students on a first name basis, it was a small department, and that sort of stood out to me. Um, And allowed me to do science and also go outside, which I'm strongly for. You know, I grew up in the Caribbean, uh, you know, in Trinidad, So growing up up in Trinidad is actually a place called the Pitch Lake, which is the largest asphalt deposit on the planet. So this Mm. tiny little dot, right, growing up there, um very influential you know it's a strange place where like the ground moves consistently the houses are built on stilts so that it can move when they pump petroleum it moves also oh, wow. um and we'd have a lot of excursions going to waterfalls so i was always an outdoor sort of exploratory environment that i lived in and then science allowed me to um think about that in a critical way so theology came natural to me where it's a science there's an outdoor component to it. So, um, once I had my first taste of geology in, in college, uh, that was it for me.
1: Ah, that's crazy. Go, go back real quick. What's an asphalt rock? What did you call it? Yeah. So, so asphalt. I should have distilled that a little
2: bit. I'm sorry. No, um, so asphalt is that stuff that you drive on. You go outside no, you're and you. Talk you to me like to I'm. Life. Life. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I'm
1: gonna break it down. I'm gonna break it down. Right, right. I know what that is.
2: So everyone knows about gas and oil and when you go to a gas station or you're changing the oil in your car right um that's sort of asphalt and petroleum in the liquid form but then there's a more sort of um, viscous liquid slash solid it's right in between that phase that we drive on right we all love newly paved streets and there's only a couple places where that material exists naturally on the planet Trinidad front of that happens to be the biggest deposit on the planet that material so Aww. chances are if you're driving on a newly paved street it came from trinidad
0: mm. so it's, That's crazy interesting uh,
2: big up to them <laughs> yeah and, and that place in trinidad is like a very spiritual place too the native americans used to spend a lot of time having rituals there when the slaves were brought over in the transatlantic slave trade they spent a lot of time there as a spiritual place for a long time now we just use it for economic you know like mm-hmm. you know yeah what? So Trinidad is a strange island. Even though it's in the Caribbean, it's not a tourist tourism-based economy because it has a massive oil deposit, petroleum, and also natural gas. Um, and so they're, they have an oil-based economy. Trinidad is also very strange because it fractured off of South America, from an island. Mm-hmm. Other islands in the Caribbean archipelago are all... Um, volcanic islands, meaning a volcano at the bottom of the ocean, spit them out over the time, kind of like what's happening in Hawaii.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Trinidad is the closest to South America. I could see Venezuela from close to my house in Trinidad, and it's because it was one part of Venezuela. It cracked it off. So Venezuela has a massive oil deposit, and Trinidad got some of that when it
3: cracked it off.
0: I think that is something that's always been... Interesting to me, the development of islands and how volcanoes can spew out the lava underneath the water and it cools when it gets to the top. So is that something that within a lifetime you could see zero or the beginning stages of an island and then by the time you're 50, there's a whole island there? Or how long does it take for an entire island to, to develop?
1: So Into it, a place where you could
0: set foot on. I mean,
1: <laughs> and chill on the beach. Well, it, it, it depends on the
2: nature of the underlying magma chamber. So when things are at the surface are lava, underneath the ground, and magma. And so sometimes you can have very explosive events that can be short lived, and those you can probably see in a lifetime, where a new island, tiny island, can be formed uh, and can be eroded away relatively fast. But more than likely, similar to what's happening in Hawaii, you have these smaller events that are cumulative, that add up to a large island being formed over time. So you can go to Hawaii now and see an island being formed. That's active, right? So people are living on that island, and that island is actively growing. And then over time, that tectonic plate will shift from that spot, and a new island will be born. And so, right at the boundaries of plates or at hot spots in the middle of the mantle, you can have uh, magma underground sort of being doged up and creating new islands. And this has happened over time. And just like all islands are born, all islands will meet the same fate and be eroded back into the ocean. So, islands are very interesting because they're kind of these temporary environments, right? And I think that's why island people are more chill, right? We know it's not going to last forever. Wow.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to put it. I never thought of it like that. I'm also, I was born on an island. I was born in, in Jamaica. And to think that Jamaica is temporary, <laughs> it's kind of thinking like, oh my gosh, my country will eventually erode and and be gone that is not something that i've ever thought would happen but i guess i guess you're right in the way that we as islanders also understand that the here and now is what's more important and i think that we do a good job of sharing that with the world and that's why people love us so much
1: well let me ask you this because i have like something in my head like hawaii right correct me if i'm wrong it's like a string of islands right like it yep. kind of goes in a line, so that means yep. all those islands are kind of like just sprouting up along these, like the edges of these plates that are touching each other. Is that like where the magma? So come out? The,
2: the edges of the plates is sort of what gave birth to the Caribbean. Hawaii is a, is a little more unique in that it's actually in the middle of a pit The magma underneath Hawaii is so hot that it's leaking through the plate. Mm, um, okay. But the same phenomena is happening, right? The plate shifts and then that same leaking source will mm. give birth to a new island and that will happen over time. So you can look at those chain of islands as halfway into time, right? The oldest one is the furthest away from that hotspot. Mm. and The youngest one is the one that's currently growing and on top of the hotspot. Caribbean, and there are many other all around, uh, all around the world, but geologists tend to be a little bit strange with time. So, you're talking about as if Jamaica or Trinidad, when these islands are going to disappear anytime soon, these, they're going to be around for as long as we can even fathom, right? But in geological time scales, they're fairly young compared to a massive, let's say, continental mass like uh, the United States of America or Canada that's been around for billions of years. Oregon is relatively young. When you go to the beach, that's literally the island being eroded away.
0: What are the types of geologists that there are?
2: And there's so many different types of geologists, but I'll walk you through kind of my career path. Mm-hmm. Um, during my master's degree, I really focused a lot on um, looking at shark teeth as a way to interpret past environments. So there are geologists who are geochronologists who study sort of the history of Earth. And when a shark teeth is forming, it's forming in the ocean. And so it's really a pathway, a window into the past. So every time you find a shark tooth, that's a window into a past ocean. And you can use that to study climate change over time. So I spent a lot of time with sharks and shark teeth trying to figure out what past oceans look like so that we could predict what climate change will do in the future. If you know what's happening in the past, you can really yes. use that to model, what's going to happen in the future. So that was my master's. I went to my doctoral studies because, you know, I'm a glutton for pain. You know? <laughs> and I was addicted to being poor, you know what I mean? I just couldn't stop, you know?
1: <laughs> working in the summer.
2: Oh, man. And yeah, working all the time, man. Um, and during my doctoral studies, I switched fields completely. Where I was really interested in how can I affect environmental change in the now. And so, in the U.S., we have over 10 Eiffel Towers worth of nuclear waste. Think about the amount of waste that it's right—a yeah. tremendous waste from when we stockpiled arms from the uh, Cold War. Hmm. And so, all that all that waste, that nuclear waste, is just sitting in facilities around the country. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. So I spent a lot of time making materials Mm -hmm. for nuclear waste, Um, and just trying to clean up the environment in terms of these dangerous metals like uranium or plutonium. So if you think about geologists, anything to do with studying the Earth is going to be regarded as geology. So for me, geochronology was a passion of mine. That morphed into more material science where we're trying to build the filters for nuclear
3: waste
1: okay how do you how do you store nuclear waste
2: right now uh this is what we do Store it's very high tech
3: store
0: waste. <laughs> we put them in the bins asphalt. we
2: get a big drum we got a big
0: bin and just leave <laughs> it
2: somewhere <laughs> that, just imagine a house-sized water tank and you just pour nuclear waste into it. every facility that is Responsible for making nuclear waste, right? PET scans, you go to hospitals, um, nuclear power plants, or decommissioned nuclear weapons, any other facility that generate nuclear level waste, that's how they store them. There's just massive amounts of these bats, these metal bats that break down over time and leak. So that's kind of our strategy right now. You know, it's foolproof. Mm-hmm. Um, oh
3: my gosh. And it's just.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It just build more and more and more of it. Um, so uh, ideally, what you would want to do is to store it in a solid form. Liquid form, it can leak out, it can go into the ground, it can go into the water, leak into the air and become a real issue, right? We've looked at places like Chernobyl, we looked at places like Fukushima, where there was massive environmental contamination. Nuclear energy actually really has a tremendous bright side. So if we think about all of the nuclear weapons on the planet, you guys know about the only way we can actually lower the amount of nuclear weapons we have on the planet is only pretty much. Well, there's two ways to do it. Use them as one of them. Mm. I don't think we want to do that.
1: Uh, What's (laughs) the other one?
2: (laughs) The other one is actually using that material in nuclear power plants. So you can decommission missiles by burning that uranium in a power Mm plant. And so... I'm a big advocate for nuclear power plants. Um, Places like France completely have all their electricity being nuclear. Um, If we want to get rid of all of the stockpiled nuclear weapons we have in the U.S., we have to be advocates for nuclear power. Um, So nuclear is a a hot topic. It's pretty much the cleanest source of energy we can get on the planet right now. Mm -hmm. It's also have a double-edged sword where people are scared of it. Um, because of the disasters that we've had in mismanagement around the
0: planet. You've mentioned that when it comes to the study of geology, there have been disasters worldwide regarding nuclear waste, and there's also storage of nuclear waste all over the West. So would you say that we can expect, if interested in a career in geology, to be able to travel all over the world?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think out of all of the sciences, geologists are positioned well to travel and I think traveling is one of those things that you look forward to when you're going through a doctoral level study, right? You get to travel to new environments, you get to play with really expensive toys. One of the things I really enjoyed about um, my doctoral studies was going to national labs. So I, in order for me to, to look at water this for nuclear waves, I needed really high-powered x-ray machines. Similar to the x-ray machines you do when you you explore when you go to the dentist, only these x-ray machines are a million times brighter, brighter than light that you get from the sun even. And they're positioned in specific places. So I got to travel to California, to Chicago, to the Carolinas. Some people people from my team went to international travel in France. We visited these facilities called synchrotrons, which are these really strong, high-powered x-rays to Mm. do our experiments. Mm. And... And going there is like straight out of a sci fi movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the Wall Street of science. So, Nobel Prize winners, posters are on the wall. Um, you have to do a competition to even get time on these machines. And when they assign it, they're like, you have 48 hours to do your experiment. So, we're running experiments like 24 7 on chips. But there's always time to champagne and campaign, right? So, if I'm out, <laughs> I, I would spend some time. There. So, traveling is a big part of like, doing science especially if you're doing geology some people i remember during my undergrad i got to travel to death valley california and we spent a couple months in the desert and that was really cool
0: awesome
1: all right so thinking about traveling and thinking about nuclear waste and thinking about islands disintegrating and things like that it makes me wonder like and how you feel about that and i'm wondering what do you think our geologists role in you know us conquering new planets because obviously people trying to piece out of here and
0: <laughs> to know if this is a soon and very sure. soon.
1: Right. <laughs> I wanna know if I should buy a punch a ticket if I can if I can even do that.
2: Well first and foremost, I think, you know, we need to take care of Mother Earth, right? We need to take care of We need to take care of hometown, home base. And that's where most geologists are working. But there are geologists that are already looking and probing other planets. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't think geologists will necessarily be the only ones to be there. If you want to position yourself to go to another planet, you really need to be interdisciplinary. And so, in fact, um, I have a couple friends, and I was building this field when I was a doctoral student, too, called biogeochemistry. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who are going to be sort of the founding fathers of the you know next planetary colony. Um, these are people who understand are studying their ingredients for sustaining life, Um, where to find minerals and resources, how to use chemical ingredients to study life, right? Science is becoming more interdisciplinary. Yes. And so you have these teams of scientists that are working on finding Goldilocks zones and really pinpointing specific planets that are habitable, that are similar to
3: Earth.
2: Mm. Um, So that work is being done now. That work is extremely exciting. I want to caution everyone in terms of looking at other planets because the furthest man has ever made it is to the moon (laughs) we have probes on mars and we have satellites that are looking at europa and other distant places that could be habitable but physically to get to these places our technology is is not quite there yeah i think Rona is doing a good job in replenishing and repairing mother earth you know ozone layer is repairing itself Mm. Uh, the water's getting fog in, the, in, the, in the environment is clearing up. All we had to do was low key just shut it down for a couple weeks, and then Mother Earth would just heal itself.
0: You know? Wow, yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, just give it give it time,
1: and right. that really tells you how bad of a how of a presence you yeah. are. Like you know how negative our, our and um, some
0: people don't even on. realize that many scientists call this what the Anthropocene. And they don't realize we're, that
2: we're the reason for it all humans are a surface cancer we're yeah a pathogen to the surface of the planet and i think this is a humbling experience so that we can see how bad our impact is and if we really just try to be more sustainable um like the other creepers on the planet that are just be more conscious of their surroundings like I often think of ants, right? They're like a super colony. If you put all the humans on one side of a scale, like all the ants on one side of a scale, the biomass outweighs us tremendously. Mm. Oh. Their, their signature of damage on the planet <laughs> is like almost zero, right? They help the process. And we're this like concrete generating smog and filter poisoning like surface all cancer, right?
3: All energy <laughs> so this consuming. Tumor that's yeah. Called.
2: Yeah, so I think this will really um, uh, serve as a cautionary tale that one we can we can turn around global warming, we can be more sustainable. But we really just get a global movement to do these things, right? And if we do it systematically, we can actually change things relatively quickly. So that's what was really interesting to me about this pandemic, and one of the things I think will be considered and studied for a while by scientists: how can we invoke the type of change?
0: Um, globally at the same time. So, um. um, would you say there is also that kind of diversity within geology? Are we seeing kind of like a diverse array of people involved in that particular science, or would you say that you went into the field not seeing many people who looked like you?
3: Yeah,
2: so. How can I put this? When I You're blessed when you're a PhD student if you can go to a lot of conferences because that also is a way to travel. Mm. And so I would travel a lot. I would go to national conferences. Sometimes I would go to international conferences. And I would always joke around that I was the moving saint in the room. Like you could just see the black person in the room. If I did see another person of color, it was like, oh my God, like how did you <laughs> make here? Like I bam, you. look out for yourself. Like, y'all Geology is a little bit like that movie Get Out. It's just its <laughs> not the first at all. It's horrible. You know what I mean? I, I have not been blessed to have one uh, professor that was of color that I knew oh, crazy. in the geological field. Um, there were barely any students of color in the geological field. Mm. Um, when I was actually studying, I was the first uh yeah, I guess that'll tip off my my real identity. So let me not go into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but seriously, it's it's hard to find diversity um, in geology in general. It's actually one of the least diverse fields in America and globally mm. um, in terms of science. I think of it as the presidency. You know how there's all white Anglo-Saxon males, mm-hmm. and then there's the one other black male. That's geology, that's and that's pretty much. The- <laughs> I'm the Obama of this shit. And the difference is I didn't do a Holy second term. Damn. I got out. I,
0: Would I got you out. say that has something to do with the fact that it is an environmentally based science? Do you think there is a lack of interest with people of color when it comes to the environment?
2: I think actually it's quite to the contrary. I think people of color... Especially if you look at, at it globally, a way more like globally, yes, definitely conscious, right? Like we're at the forefront. So the reason why I say this is the tropical regions, all the regions affected by climate change. No one is, is worried about um, America disappearing in climate change. Sure, you might lose some cities at the at near the water, but if you're in the Caribbean, if you're in the Maldives, if you're um, in the Philippine Islands. Your island is a threat, right? Hurricanes can destroy your island. Other natural disasters can destroy your island. And so you're way more sensitive to change. So in terms of diversity in my field, it's directly correlated to access. Doctoral studies is a weird field where a professor, who's going to be predominantly a white Anglo-Saxon male, has to choose a PhD student. And people tend to choose, especially when they have finite resources, they don't have that much money. they are going to choose something that looks like success to them, that they've seen being successful before. Um, And so they're disproportionately choosing other white Anglo-Saxon males, Um, not even because they're necessarily racist, just because that's what they've seen before. This person reminds me of my nephew. This person reminds me of a younger version of me. You know, this is someone I feel comfortable around. They're going to make those choices. And so disproportionately less of us go into the doctoral studies. Also, we have real economic strains, right? We may have a mortgage to pay for or our parents that rely on us. And so we can't afford to be in our late 20s and 30s still in poverty, which is what you mm-hmm. are when you're
3: a doctoral student,
2: right? We don't have that big safety net. Mommy and daddy got it. That's what was all the PhD students that I was with, right? Mommy and daddy supported them through the PhD. They were third-generation doctors where people, are, you know, children of the sun, you know, people with melanated skin don't have that privilege a lot of times. And so you have to then get a job, right? So you can't afford yeah. play the long game, which is what it takes to be a professor in the field or even a doctor in the field. So I think it's just a function of access. As you go up that ladder from like undergrad to master's to PhD to postdoc, it's just the color, it becomes more white dominated, so.
1: Well, how do yeah. you feel like the field has suffered because of this, all this intrinsic biases?
2: Well, I think one of the things that you learn being in a doctoral study is that everyone there is extremely intelligent. So I can't really quantify how much the field has suffered by this lack of diversity what I do know is that when you have a diverse board, and I was actually lucky to have a professor who was very open-minded and have a very diverse group, right? We had, um, I, my group was like the UN. You know, There was a student from Sri Lanka. There was a student from Pakistan. There was a student from Poland. There was a student from Australia. Like, it, we had um, African-American women. We had, you know, Caribbean-born black men like myself. Like, we just had a lot of different ideas in the room. And so with uh, that diversity of ideas you get answers quicker because people just come from completely different um fields and resources and they come from different walks of life and they're looking at the problem with a different angle how to quantify that is very difficult because the people who are there are also very smart they've been pushing the fields and making tremendous accomplishment and that's one of the things i kind of learned being in doctoral studies that very mediocre people from all walks of life, such as my students that I had in collegiate classes. And they're very exceptional people with all different looks and shapes and sizes and colors. If you get a room of really smart people, they don't do what it do. They don't get to the bag, they don't get to the answers and they're going to make things happen. But I think diversity can help academia in terms of breaking these inequities that we see in terms of the numbers, right? So if you're a young black male like myself and you go into a classroom and you never see a young black biologist, you don't think that's possible. And so you just never invest in that. And so when it's time for us to solve problems in regions that are dominated by people with melanated skin, you're going to have difficulty getting access to those places and making your science effective. So I would say one way it's effective is it's with that.
0: So then with that being said, How is geology affecting social change now?
2: Geology is intimately tied to social change, right? Sustainability in general is thinking about how can we live in sync with the planet. And social change is directly tied to having a sustainable cultural environment. Um, So if we look at the big issue on a global scale of global warming, for instance, and how that plays out socially. You tend to look at tropical regions, which are highly affected, tend to be dominated by people with melanated skin, children of the sun, friends of the world, right? But we have less political power. So therefore, this is where science and politics sort of interface. And it's very clear what the science is in global warming and very clear what we actually have to do, right? Scientists have a tremendous amount of consensus on this if you don't have that political power, you don't have that cachet and things aren't, aren't going to be done. And so geology affects social change because we're thinking about the earth and the sustainability of it. If you look at other crises like the energy crisis, for instance. All of these things are tied into geological science. There'd be urbanization, environmental ruin. You think of places like Flint, Michigan <clears throat> is a geological hazard like that was a decision made politically to lead people socially to drink water that they knew was contaminated mm-hmm. um so and geology can easily interface and potentially
1: remediate these problems right okay so um what are the latest and like exciting developments in the fields of geology
2: yeah technology is the, is the key right you know um The field is so broad, it's hard for me to pinpoint any specific breakthroughs, but there's a couple that come to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them is specifically looking at um, looking for other planets, right? Looking for Goldilocks planets. And I have a friend who's an astrophysicist, and he's constantly trying to find, and this is a lot of work that's being done in geology too. Where's the next exoplanet that can really be habitable and potentially have life on it? We found um, a tremendous amount of those planets so it makes you think like are we the only people in the universe like how prevalent is life how prevalent is intelligent life when we have a lot of planets that exist what I worked on personally was nanomaterial so making things that are a hundred times smaller than a virus <clears throat> things that are extremely tiny that can deliver medicine for instance into your body or things that are extremely tiny that can actually be used in technology the new uh, microchips or the new um, sort of software that you have in your phone, the hardware and software, is driven on top of these nanomaterials, pretty really tiny materials that are going to be the new wave of technology that we use. So they are currently geologists trying to look at how we can build those materials and your new iPhone, uh, your new laptop, your new TVs, um so material discovery and all of that is happening because of artificial intelligence and ai Mm. whether it be machine learning but there was this one guy i was working with actually and he was from iran in my group so once again like i said my group was like the un so imagine this guy is an iran phd in america at a time where we're about to go to international conflict with it's crazy he was Mm. was brilliant He, he was working on software that can actually predict the material and its properties before we even made it. So all he had to tell the computer was what elements and what ratios and what specific feature. So let's say we're trying to find a material that we can drop into water and split it into hydrogen and oxygen and use that for a new fuel source. That's something that my group is working on. Mm. He can tell you what materials to go make. Mm. Um, Kind of like a
0: material Google.
2: Nuts. Right? So he can <laughs> that's predict awesome. before we waste any time in the lab, right? Just cooking up stuff, which takes weeks sometimes and is really expensive to do some experiments. He can tell us where to look. And so that sort of AI interfacing with science, um, which they call crystal structure prediction. So AI, man, that's where it's going. Everything is going to be driven through um, the computational power of how can machine learning or um, structure predictions help us as scientists be smarter, work smarter, and make new discoveries even quicker. we ever have.
0: So then let's leave on this because I have one last question for you. Okay, Jay? Sure. Dr. Jay. Yeah, don't get corrected. Dr. Jay. Dr. Jay. Hey, I forward said forward. it. I, I got it, back right. to it. I got back to it. You deserve the title after <laughs> all. You really do. Uh, what is the first thing that you're going to do when everything opens back up? Mm-hmm. We definitely need to know that. Save the hardest, for the last.
1: As soon as this is done,
2: I'm a Caribbean baby, so I need some sun ASAP, right? I'm a child of the sun. Ooh, I need- I where are you going with this? <laughs> I need to be somewhere on an island. There's going to be some drinks involved, and it's going to be some fun involved. For sure, at good time. So, uh, because and it's long overdue I gotta yeah gotta some stress once this country opens back
1: up <laughs> passport getting kind of cold he needs
0: to <laughs> <You know what laughs> me?
1: So warm, warm it aside. up <laughs> gotta activate that melanin baby Need to.
0: thank you so much for joining us I don't have any more questions but I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing that it is totally possible fun interesting And for the rest of our youth to get involved in a science like geology. And thank you for
1: just talking about a field that I didn't know that much about. And probably a lot of listeners also didn't know about as well. So if you like going outside, you know, if you like.
0: But you still want to be involved in science
1: and you want to be able to affect social change and...
0: And travel.
1: <laughs> and stop nuclear war and waste and shit like that.
0: And get people to chill and love one another, then maybe geology's for you.
1: Alright, think about it.
2: Alright? <laughs> Whatever you do, if you get into geology, make sure you bring your blackness with you. Because at the end of the day, these fields need diversity. So Speak. Make sure you Most bring that ever. black hypothesis with you. Yes, There's yes. There's a lot of imposters in the field. like have black skin, but...
1: <laughs> they, the get
0: outside of yeah, the yes we can be smart can and black
1: how do they say not all skin kin yes. folk. Is skin folk? <laughs> watch out yes.
0: yeah so if, if
1: uh if someone wanted to reach out to reach out to you if they had any other questions about geology or your um your path and maybe like academic uh choices that they can make do you have like um a medium that they could reach out to you
2: yeah so there's a couple of different mediums um you guys can follow me uh nano alcatraz on twitter okay um that's my twitter handle that's, also, wow. a co-
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> this is going this is going to give up my my identity a little bit i'm a co-founder of a non-profit for science communication oh, oh shit yeah we didn't get into that but maybe next time i'll
0: come back no yeah um, and what is that it, yeah what that, is <laughs> where can they search that uh nonprofit?
1: yeah
2: so it's at uh, explainables.org um and you can be able to find us there we do workshops to help um professionals or youth communicate more effectively doesn't matter what field you're in um and we do in-person workshops virtual workshops it's been really successful in Europe for some reason, but I'm trying to bring it home, back to America. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, explainables has been booming, especially since we've been quarantined. I've been doing pretty much workshops daily. Oh, we help that's... people get ready for job talks. We help people get ready for um, defending their thesis. Or, you know, if you want to improve on that one minute you have with an elevator pitch to somebody who is important in your field, we can help you get ready and polish your talk. So. Yeah, so
0: it's explainables.org. Awesome. Mm, awesome. Okay. Thank Take you so you much on. again. You gave us more than we bargained for. Oh, this is crazy. This is so awesome.
1: <laughs> Once again, thanks. So if you like the episode, please give us five stars and subscribe. Um, you, If you'd like to come on the show, if you have any other questions, you want to reach out to us, if you have any, uh, you can hit us up at blackhypothesis at gmail.com. And you can also hit us up on our IG account at Black Hypothesis. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, Dr. J. This is dope. Swap this up and get out of here. All right.